What's up, church? How are you guys doing this morning? All right, good, 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 good to hear. Uh, today we're starting a brand new series called Family Hacks, and I'm super excited about this series because we all got families and we all got work that we got to do within our families. Um, and so we're talking about the family for the next four weeks, and totally understand, we got people all over the map in here. Okay, some of you guys, you love your family, you're all about your family, you love spending time with your family, you miss your family, all right? You are all about your family 100% of the time. You love, you're just happy with your family all the time, okay? Good for you, <laughs> right? For the rest of us that have real families, um, you know, some of you guys, I totally understand that, you know, you sit at the, because I've talked to some of you, you guys, you sit at the table every Christmas and every Thanksgiving, and you sit there and you, every year, this is the same thing, you're just like, why? 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 You know, like, why did God stick me with these people? These people are crazy, they're doing stuff that no sane person should ever do to somebody else. Why, why is this happening to me? Um, what we need to understand is that family was God's idea. Okay, this is God's thing. It's not something that anybody came up with. Family was God's idea. And guess what? It was a really good idea. It is a really good idea. See, think about it. Here's God. He's saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is way back at the beginning when he creates us. He says, I'm going to create sex, which is good, which will create families, which is even better. I mean, think about it. That was one of the first jobs that God gave Adam and Eve to do, right? He says, hey, I want you guys to go out and be fruitful and multiply. You get what that means, right? Okay, that means like I want you guys to spend some extra quality time with each other. You know, however you want to describe it. And from that, you guys are going to make some little people and it's going to be crazy. And those little people will watch and they will learn what it means to be a man and a woman from dad and mom. And they will share in DNA with dad and mom, which is kind of crazy as well. So they'll kind of be like mom and dad, but uh, they'll also be unique and they'll also be their own person. And everyone's going to love each other and everybody will be connected, not just at the relational level, but also at the DNA. DNA level at the physical level, and they'll like each other, and they'll be peaceful, and they'll share with each other, and they'll serve each other, and they're going to make each other laugh. It's just going to be this great, huge thing that I'm going to call, God, God's perspective, I'm going to call the family, and it's going to be awesome. But that's not how our families usually are, right? Maybe sometimes. That's, that's good, but, but not all the time. Uh, some of you guys are just like, that's not how my family is at all. Like, my family, when we get together, it's just chaos, like, it's just crazy, and I don't know what to do, and I don't, you know, some of those people, they just annoy me, and they do things that, again, that no one should ever do to each other. It's just like, why? Totally understand. Um, a lot of you guys know that for, uh, well, last Saturday night, I got back from a two-week elk hunting trip in the mountains of Idaho, and I'm just so glad to be back, okay? Um, it was waking up at 3 a.m. in the freezing cold, and then it got to like 90s some of the days during the day. So you're like shedding layers, and you're dying, you're climbing mountains all day, and then you get back at like 9.30 at 10 or 10 o'clock at night, and you have two hot dogs and you go to bed. Like that was my re weekly routine for two weeks, and I had an apple somewhere in between. So hungry, tired, sweating, freezing, you know, all of that together. I'm just glad to be home. It's nice to live in a house, okay? Let me just say that. Um, what I, so I went elk hunting. I was, I was with my brother-in-law, okay? His name's Jake Wookie. He happens to be the local Olympic archer um, from, he lives in Fremont, but uh, he just got back from, the, from Tokyo just a few weeks ago competing for the United States um, in archery. And so, so we go archery hunting together. Now, 
you know, I'm like with an expert here. I've never, I shot 150 arrows and then I left, okay? So I don't really know what I'm doing, but he got me all set up. And he wasn't here to like show me what to do because he was in, he was in Tokyo. So anyway, so we go hunting and, um, and a lot of you guys have been asking me, did you get anything? I'm so sick of that question, I'll be honest, <laughs> all right? Uh, kind of, I did. I don't know how else to explain it. So let me just tell you the story. So Jake, uh, when you're elk hunting, let me just, let me just, I don't know much, but I'll tell you a little bit what I do know. When you're elk hunting, it's like Jake, he can talk to the elk. Like they all talk to each other. They answer each other. It's kind of crazy. He's got all these different calls. He could tell elk, he could say, I'm angry at you. He could say, hey, come over here. He could say, hey, where are you? You could say all these different things with all these different elk calls. And they like, they like have conversations back and forth, which is kind of creepy. It's kind of weird. I've never seen anything like it. The whole time I'm just like, just talk back, you know, it's just weird. And uh, so one time Jake, he, this was the Tuesday, not last Tuesday, but the Tuesday before, 9.30 in the morning, Jake calls in this big bull elk. So his bugling is going crazy. He's, Jake's doing his talk thing back and, uh, and it's coming. And we're all pumped up, we're excited. And when you're out there, I mean, some of you guys have been hunting, you're like, you're like blood's racing. I mean, your heart is, is racing, you're going crazy, you got adrenaline, you're shaking, you know, it's like, it's coming. We've been running over, you know, running around mountains, for two weeks for this, you know, it's finally here. And we see the antlers come out and we both pull back our bows and it comes out and we shoot. By the way, I just want to make this clear. I shot first, this guy right here. And then Jake shot. And so we both shoot, both arrows hit, ba-bam, the elk runs away and dies. Okay. When we find the elk, we start looking around. It's a big bull elk. We start looking at this thing and um, we're going to see kind of, you know, whose arrow killed it. You know, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And looking at it, I got one picture of where I hit it on the ear. <laughs> so I got its ear really good. And I look like I'm dying in this picture because I was. And I was very sad when I found this out. But, um, but what I had to explain to my brother-in-law is me and him, we hunt differently. You know, we... He goes for an instant kill shot. I do things a little bit different. I like to send out a warning shot before I send out my straight through the heart shot. And he messed that all up, which is kind of annoying. But uh, family, they do stuff like that. You know, sometimes I sit down and I wonder, I'm like, why did God give me an Olympic archer for a brother-in-law? That's kind of hard to live up to that. You know, it's like that type of thing. But uh, no, it's... Uh, I wouldn't have even seen an elk if it wasn't for him. <laughs> but family has been messy since the beginning, okay? Like family is just a messy thing. It, it just is for every single one of us, you know, at least once in a while, even if you have the best family there ever was. I mean, think about back to the beginning, right? The first family, Adam. Uh, Adam, rather than protect Eve, his wife, he chose not to leave. Okay, think about Eve. Eve, rather than help Adam, she chose to be selfish, um, and they both sin. And you remember what happened when God comes up and confronts both of them? They blame each other. Sound familiar? Okay. Isn't that like what marriage is all about, right? We blame each other for everything that goes wrong. And so sin entered the world through the first family. And it's interesting, by the way, parents, I just want to throw this out there. Sin entered the world through the first married couple before kids. Just throwing that out there. I think sometimes we use kids as like our excuse, right? Where it's like, well, pfft. 
you don't understand what I've been doing all the, with these kids. You won't understand the mess this kid made in the corner over there. You won't understand this over here and this. And that kid, you know, we have all this stuff. No, this happened before they even had kids. And it had a huge impact on their kids. I mean, think about what their kids did. Their first two sons, one ends up murdering the other out of jealousy because because he, he didn't appreciate what his you know his his brother his brother didn't do anything wrong. I mean, think about it. There may have only been four people on the planet, and one of them couldn't live without the other. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. The first family is just so messed up, and it's been like this since the beginning. And it's so interesting to me that Satan attacked family like first, right? Shows us how important family actually is. Satan went after that first. In fact, we look at the Bible, there's no good examples of family in the Bible. Not one. I mean, I've looked, I, there, there's nothing. I mean, you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, they all had major family issues. I mean, all of them were bad. All of them were probably worse than yours, okay, if you can believe it or not. We see favoritism and lies and sexual abuse and rivalry and passivity, meaning choosing to do nothing, choosing not to parent. All this was, was in these men's, you know, these guys' lives, these, these Bible characters that we hold so high in our life as, man, if I could only be like that guy. You know, these all had major issues. I mean, even Jesus, who is perfect, didn't do anything wrong had issues with his family. I mean, his family had issues with him, really, is the issue. And that's the thing that I love about the Bible, is because every single one of us can relate to these people in the Bible, because the Bible is filled with average, sinful, messed up, jacked up, horrible, terrible people, just like us. Okay, it's all over the place. All of us have family problems. By the way, if you don't think that you do have family problems, the issue is probably you, because you're probably the problem, you just don't realize it. Okay, let me just throw that out there. You can think about that. Um, that's probably true. But throughout this series, throughout the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about some important stuff. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about divorce. We're going to talk about conflict with people within our family. And so what I would like to encourage you guys is make sure you're here for four weeks in a row. All four weeks. Okay, this is such important stuff. It's, it's stuff that every single one of us desperately need to know what God tells us, how to handle this area in our life. So make sure you're here for all four weeks, so three weeks after this one, and, uh, and it, it should be just really, really, really good stuff. You need to be here for this. Um, and today, what I want to do is we're going to look at one of the most trickiest, difficult aspects to family, in my opinion, hands down, um, and that's parenting. Okay, parenting's tough, right? It's hard, it's complicated. We don't really know um, what to do. There's at times, every single one of us in here, including myself, right, we all um, question our parenting skills. Okay, we've all been there. We're all like, am I doing this right? I mean, I can't remember the last time that uh, I was at a restaurant with my kids. I don't think I've, let me say this, I don't think I've ever been at a restaurant with my children where there hasn't been a spill, okay? There's always a spill. It always happens. It happens after we, in between ordering and when the food comes out and then the waitress comes with all the food and we're like, oh yeah, sorry, we got water everywhere or juice or pop, whatever it is. It's so embarrassing and, you, and the kids are loud and there's like a fork got thrown over there and you're like, sorry, you know, and you're like, don't do that. And, and you know, you're trying to parent, but there's people all around. And then when you leave, I don't know if you guys, you parents have ever experienced this, but this is how it is every single time. So we don't go out much, by the way, um, is who we leave. And there's like, a pile of food on the ground, on the seat, 
on the floor, a few forks, a few napkins in that cup that spilled a long time ago. You know, it's all like just rolling around down there and you're just like, yeah, I have to leave an extra tip for this lady because I feel so bad for her. I don't want to clean this up. You know, it's just, it's just nasty. Um, two out of my three kids, two out of three, tell me after they've gone to the bathroom, not when they have to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, I just went and you're just like, what? Why didn't you just tell me that two minutes ago? And then you could have gone on what we, you know, the potty. Go on the potty. Like, get this through your head. It's not that, it's not that complicated, nice son, you know, mine, okay? Um, but you're like, why? Why are you doing this? What am I doing wrong as a parent here? Um, even this week, there's one part of this week, where, one evening where I literally had three naked kids running around my whole house. And I'm like, stop that. Put some clothes on. Hey, you go over here. You know, it's just, it's just crazy and chaotic and it's just, it's just nuts in your family. And I'm no expert by any means on parenting. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, but I try to do the best that I can. Um, I do have three kids and I have learned a lot the past six years. But even more than that, one thing that I've gotten that a lot of people don't have is over the last decade, I've been working with, uh, with teenagers and students and their parents um, for that amount of time. And I'll tell you, I've seen some great examples of parenting. And from those examples, every single time that I can think of, those kids have thrived when they've left the house. I've also, unfortunately, seen the worst examples I could ever think of of parenting. And most of the time, I've seen those kids' lives just ruined and just messed up and, you know, just... Just terrible, terrible stuff. And from watching examples for the last 10, 12 years or so, um, I have, you know, I, I've just learned so much and a whole bunch of stuff that I'm like banking that, you know, in the vault. So when my kids are teenagers, I'll be doing that. And there's just, there's just no owner's manual, right? There's no instructions on parenting. Think about when you brought your first kid home, for those of you guys who have been parents. Um, you bring, right, well, now, I don't know how it used to be back in the day, but now the nurses come out and they buckle your kid in for you. I don't know why they do that. It's like they don't trust you as a parent, which part of me is kind of like, I'm a little offended. Like, you don't think I can handle this on my own and the nurse is doing all the stuff and making sure that he's snug in there. But then the other part of me is like, yeah, I have no idea how to do that. So I'm like watching closely, like, I could do that, but in, you know, but I'm like, oh, okay, that buckle goes, whatever. But you bring your first kid home, you take him, we took, I, I brought him in and I set him on the floor in the living room and it's just like, and he's in his car seat and you're just like, all right, now what? <laughs> I don't know what to do. I hope this kid survives. You know, it's just about keeping them alive at first, uh, basically. But you're just like, oh, this is a lot of pressure on me. You know, that's, there's, there's just no owner's manual. There's no instructions on this. And it gets a lot more complicated than that as they grow older. Sometimes I don't know what to do. Uh, this past week, I'm taking Toby, my oldest son, I'm taking him to school, okay? And he had been going to school for two weeks when I was gone. He started the day, literally, the day after I left. And so he's had like two weeks of school. He's, starting, he was doing, he's in kindergarten. That uh, I hadn't like, you know, I want to know what's going on in his life. I want to know what's, how that is. And, and, you know, I'm his dad. And so as I'm taking him to school, I'm asking him, so wh what are you learning about in school? You get no answer from that. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I get that. It's normal. Um, check, I guess. But uh, then I said, so, so tell me about recess. And so he's like, well, yeah, I just, I just play outside. And I'm like, okay. You got friends, you know, that you play with? He's like, no. I'm like, 
oh, okay. That's sad. You're like, so what do you do then? And he's like, basically I just run around like I'm a dinosaur. Okay. And I've seen him do this at home, so I know what he's talking about. But he's like running around, you know. I've watched him watch, I let him watch Jurassic Park, and he's been a raptor ever since. Bad move. Yeah, it kind of sounded like that. Okay. But, uh, but anyway, so he's telling me this, and I'm like, oh, okay. And so I'm like, so you don't, none of the other kids do that? And they're like, no. he's like, no. I'm like, all right, red flag. And I say, and I'm, so I'm, I'm in the car, I'm asking them, well, they, they don't probably know what you're doing, and so you do that during recess the whole time, you know, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, my kid's the weird kid, <laughs> right, all recess, he's the one going around, you know, he does this thing where he flips his head back like a, like on Jurassic Park, anyway, and I'm just like, and so I'm trying to tell him using logic, because I'm a logical person, I'm just like, they, Toby, they don't know probably what you're doing, and so what you're doing might look a little weird. I don't know if that's good or bad. I know there's some psychologists, I'm sure, that would be like, you can't say that word, or you can't, you can't. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want him to think that I'm calling him weird, because I'm not, but what he's doing is kind of weird. <laughs> and so I'm like trying to figure all this out. Like, I don't know what to do, is what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's best. I know that's not best, but I don't know how to fix it, you know? But it's like that type, of, that type of thing. I just don't know. And so the question is, how do you get your kids from the car seat to the driver's seat, preferably with your relationship intact? That's the question that all parents want to know. And God gives us as parents some logical instructions. By the way, not advice. Mm-mm. He gives us some logical instructions, some commands on how we are to raise our children. And guess what? It's all found in this book that we all have sitting in our homes somewhere in our drawers, you know, on the shelf, um, under our beds, you know, collecting dust. It's all in here. Think back to this. I get not every one of us have kids. I get that. Um, But all of us have been kids at one point or another. This, I think, is so important. It was the way that your parents lived their life, not their advice and not their parenting skills, that determine whether or not you wanted to be like them or with them. Does that make sense? It was the way that your parents lived their life, not their parenting skills, not their advice, that determined how much respect that you have or had for your parents. It's the way that your parents lived their life that determined the trajectory of your relationship with your parents. And guess what? For parents, that's the same thing with you. The way that you live your life, your behavior determines whether your kids like you, want to be with you, and, uh, and want to be like you. Okay? Want to spend time with you, want to be like you. It's the way that you live your life at home, especially at home, that matters. Okay? That's what matters. There's one time in the Old Testament where Moses, he's actually getting ready to die. Uh, he is giving kind of his last words to the Jewish people. He's standing on the edge of looking into this land that God had promised them. And he, and again, this is at the end of his life. And he's probably, as he's standing there on the edge of the river, he's probably thinking uh, to a time 40 years before where he stood in that same exact spot and the Jewish leaders had all decided, hey, we're not gonna go into this land that God has told us to. We're too afraid to go. And so we're gonna hang back here. And when that happens, God says, you know what? Then you guys aren't going. I'm gonna take your kids. I'm gonna wait till all of you guys are dead. Then I'll take the, the, the nation of Israel in. And so that's exactly what God does. And so all those people have died off. Moses is one of the last ones left. Moses doesn't get to go into, the, into this land because he had, done, he had disobeyed God a different 
different way. And so Moses, he's standing there. He's, you know, I'm sure he's like, man, if only we would have obeyed God that first time, then we would all be able to, we would be 40 years, you know, into the land. Like, this would be so much better. But he's waiting there, and he decides to write down some words that, uh, that you know, some instructions about how God expects us to live life and, uh, and he, he's writing these to, to like his children and his grandchildren as well as the whole, the whole nation. This is what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. He says, hey, listen, Israel. All right, this, this word listen, it means, hey, listen up. All right, pay attention, focus in for just one second. This is important. He says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He says, this is, what, this is how you are to live your life. This is the most important thing that you should be thinking about as a human being. It's you need to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now notice what he doesn't say here. He doesn't say, hey, I've written down 600-something commands that you're supposed to do to keep yourself separate from a nation, from all the other nations, so that someday there'll be a Savior born through your line, Jesus, and, uh, and he'll save the entire world. It's going to be crazy. He doesn't say anything like that. He doesn't say, hey, remember those Ten Commandments that God wrote down on the piece of stone tablets? You know, you, just, you need to do all those. He doesn't say that. He says, hey... It's not about, you know, doing all this stuff. What I want you to focus on as my last words to you as my people, the people that I love, he says, I want you to love. I want you to love your Lord. See, it's what we love that drives and motivates our lives. We get that? Okay, this is, what, this is something we all need to understand. It's what we love that drives and motivates our life. This Go back to Toby since I've thrown him under the bus a few times already today. But uh, he's not in here, so I can do whatever I want. It's nice. Um, someday he'll hate me, though, but so we'll figure that out. Anyway, Toby, he loves dinosaurs. He's all about dinosaurs. Again, watch him, let him watch some Jurassic Park thing once, and it's like, now it's dinosaurs all over the place. Um, it motivates what he watches. It motivates what he plays with. It motivates what he talks about. You want to have a conversation about dinosaurs, you could talk to my kid for as long as you'd like. He's all about it. Um, it motivates how he acts at school, even, you know, unfortunately. He loves dinosaurs. A lot of love over here for dinosaurs in, in Toby's life at this time in his life. Um, he's got a lot of love over here. But then I notice other parts of his life that are just messy. Okay, I was at a soccer game yesterday for him, you know, yesterday morning. And it was just like, this kid does not care about soccer. You know, this kid is just like, you know, he kicked the ball once. And he's just like, go, everybody else, go chase after it. You know, it's just like, bro, you got to, come on, get aggressive. Let's go. Um, but he just is not all in love over here. You know, he just doesn't care. See, the same is true in our life. What Moses is saying is he's pointing out, he's saying, hey, what you choose to love, it matters, and it affects how you live your life. The, your, what you love or who you love, that's what drives and motivates your life. So the number one thing Moses is using through logic is he's saying, well, the number one thing in your life, because that is true, is you need to love God. It's not just you need to love God like you love ice cream. Okay, love ice cream. I'm a big fan of ice cream. He says, no, you need to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength, with everything that you got. That's how you need to love God. Now, Jesus, he actually reiterates this 2,000 years later 
Um, the week that Jesus died, he, he's out there, he's teaching publicly in the streets, and people are coming from all over. They want to see, you know, this Jesus guy, they want to see what he's about to say and, and hear what he has to say and see what he's going to do and just all that stuff. So crowds are forming around him. And then the religious leaders of that day, they don't like Jesus very much. And so they're peppering Jesus with all these hard questions, trying to trip him up, trying to catch him, you know, to, to say something wrong. And obviously you're not going to beat God. And so they had no chance, but they kept trying. And this one guy stands up, and he says he's a lawyer. And he says, hey, Jesus, I got a question for you. All right, which commandment is the greatest? He's, going, he's looking back at the Old Testament. He says, okay, there's 600-something commandments for the Jewish people. He's like, out of all those, which one's the most important? And so Jesus is like, you know, that's easy. You know, I think he kind of smiles when he's like, easy. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 22. He says, he said to him, oh, well, didn't, don't you know what Moses said? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. He says, this is the greatest and most important commandment. Jesus is like, this is it. You do this, you're set. You do this, you're good. And then Jesus throws him in a freebie because he's Jesus. He says, the second is this. Let me tell you the second one too. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. All right? That's one that we struggle with. He says, all the law and the prophets, basically the whole Old Testament that all these guys are looking back to. He's in the whole Old Testament, he says, depends on these two commands. Covers everything with one command. He's like, I got you. This is, this is it. See, what Jesus is doing here is he's pointing back to Moses and what Moses has to say. And Moses had told the Jewish people thousands of years before. Because this, our love for God is the foundation of the way that we live our life. If we can love God with everything that we are, we got this. We good. I mean, we're good. See, God doesn't say, hey, just follow all my rules and, and you're set. Like, here's the Bible. You got the Bible. Go read it. Follow all the rules. Okay, then, then, then you're, you're good to go. He doesn't say that. He says, hey, love. The way that you live starts at what we love, not by rule following. It starts about what we care about. And as parents and grandparents, our life reflects what we love to our kids. Whether we like it or not, whether we mean it to or not, our life reflects what we love to our kids. And so Moses, he's explaining how to live our life. He's saying, hey, this is how you live. You gotta love God with everything that you are. You gotta, you know, like that's the most important thing. And then he goes further. He says, hey, these words that I'm saying, he says, these words I'm giving to you today, he says, they are to be in your heart, okay? They're supposed to be in there. Like, you're supposed to know this. Hey, I got to love God with, with all that I am. And then he says, repeat them to your children. Really, this word repeat, a lot of translations, they use the word teach, which I personally like better. Moses is saying, hey, you need to teach this idea, this principle to love God with everything that you are. You need to teach that to your kids, now, as parents, and even grandparents, by the way, grandparents, you're not off the hook here, okay? Let me just make sure you know that. This includes, your grandkids is included in kids here, this your children, so you're, you're stuck in here. But uh, do you guys understand that as parents and grandparents that you are always teaching your kids something? We get that? Okay, it's not like uh, you get a, a cheat day or something where it's like, oh, the kids aren't watching today. You know, that's not how it works. So they won't remember if I, you know, that you're always teaching your kids something. So think about this. Men, if you are aggressive towards your wife and you are constantly belittling your wife, you know what you're doing? 
You are teaching your boys to do the same to your future daughter-in-law. Okay, they're going to they're gonna do the same thing because that's all they know. Right? You're teaching your daughters that that's what they are worth. You're teaching your daughters that that's what they are to expect from their future husbands or boyfriends. That that's normal. Again, that that's all they're worth. Dads, I've said this before and I don't know how to say this. I don't know how to get this through to some people. This is just how it is. Dads, your words, they just weigh more. They weigh more. They just do. I don't know why. I don't know how. They just weigh a ton. I mean, that's why we see statistics where it's children without a dad present. They're twice as likely to drop out of school. They're four times greater to, to be in poverty when they grow up. Um, they are, daughters are seven times more likely to, to get pregnant as a teenager. They're much more likely to go to prison, to have drugs and alcohol issues, to be abused, to have behavioral problems, to commit crimes. I mean, I mean those are just the stats. Dads, your words... Man, they matter. Like they just weigh more. They just do. And so you got to watch what you say at home. And you got to watch your sarcasm with your kids because it matters so much. Ladies, if you are a constant complainer or nagging, even the Bible feels bad for your husband. Okay, let me just explain this real quick. This is important. The Bible says that a nagging wife, literally, I'm not making this up. The Bible says that a nagging wife is like a constant drip, 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 drip. It just doesn't stop and it drives the guy crazy. Okay, that's what happens. Um, God literally says in Proverbs, we see, God says, it is better for a man to live in the desert than with a nagging wife. Okay, what God is saying there, basically the idea is, is if, you know, if, ladies, if you are constantly nagging your husband, it's like God coming to your husband and saying, hey, why don't you just go? Get out of here. Go over here to the desert. And the guy's like, okay, so should I bring water and food? God's like, no. Well, when I die, yes, you will die a slow and agonizing death, but that is better than this. Okay. That's what God's, that's the idea that God paints for us in Scripture. I mean, think about what you're teaching your girls, ladies. I mean, just think about this, right? You're teaching your girls that the way that they get what they want is through constant nagging and commenting on their husband's weaknesses. Constant. Right? What are you teaching your daughters? You're teaching, or that's your daughters. What are you teaching your, your sons? You're teaching your sons that someday they will also be failures in marriage and in the career and in, you know, fixing things and in, in, in being a dad. See, we as parents, whether we realize it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we mean to or not, we are constantly teaching our kids. Not through advice like we think we are. Man, I just unloaded some great advice on my kid. <laughs> that dude owes me. You know, that's kind of what we think. No, no. We teach our kids not through advice. We teach our kids through the way that we live our life. And here Moses, you know what he's hinting towards here? Basically, he's hinting towards the idea that your kid's spiritual maturity or your kids' relationship with God, their spiritual life, some of that, as parents and grandparents, some of that is on you. Let that sink in for a second. Some of not all of it, okay, some of it's on them, sure. But some of that is on you, and because you are to teach your kids to put God number one. You are to teach your kids to love God with all that they are. Now, this is a problem that I see within Christian, you know, church families, um, 
all over the place. See, in our culture, this is the issue. Uh, we as parents, we often fail at teaching, hey, we got to love God the most. You know why? Because the biggest thing that gets in the way of that is this, busyness. We get so busy. We got so much stuff going on. that Families today are just so, so busy. And you know why? It's because we as parents, we don't want our kids to miss out on any experience, right? We want our kids to have all these experiences. We don't want them to experience this and that and, and just all these things. You got, you got soccer, you got volleyball, baseball, dance, club. You got all these clubs and basketball and school stuff. You got that going on too and plays. And, and so often... What we end up doing as parents is we allow our kids to make God secondary. We make church secondary. See, I've talked to so many church parents um, throughout, you know, my decade working with students. And sometimes, you know, I'm going up to a parent. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I haven't seen your kid for like months. What's going on here? You know, where, where are they? They should be here. You know, what, what, what's the deal? And it's like, well, you know, they have club volleyball every, every Sunday night, and so they can't make it. By the way, I never knew what Black Swamp was. I knew it exists lurking <laughs> until we moved here. I was like, that's the place I've been battling for years, you know. <laughs> Dang, Black Swamp. No, just kidding. Just during that time. Um, I'm, I love sports, into sports, all about sports. But, uh, you know, I'm just, like, I'm just like, okay, all right, so what are you teaching your kids? Allowing them to skip church for months at a time. You know, what are you teaching them? That's what I'm like screaming out. What are you teaching them? That sports are more important than God? Is that it? And usually it's like, well, no, that's, no, that's, God is super important in our family. Okay, but not as important as volleyball, you know, for your 12-year-old. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm just like, okay, so then what is it? And then it's usually, well, you know, we want them to do well in sports and to excel so that someday they can get a scholarship and they could go play ball, you know, in college and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, okay, let me just stop right there. So that's all noble sounding, but what are you teaching your kids? Like, let's break it down. You're teaching that money is more important than God? That's better, you know? Like, you don't think, I mean, Jesus talked about money all the time. You're doing exactly what Jesus is saying not to do. See, naturally, we as parents, when we, we start, we just, it's just naturally, because we're all sinful, jacked up people, we naturally start drifting away from God, okay? We all do that. And you know what we as parents do when we do that? Most of the time, we take our kids with us. It's on us. See, if you truly love God the way that Jesus tells us we should love him, the way a dying Moses tells his people that, that, that they should love him. If you truly love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything that you got, all right? If you truly love God that way, then sports, school, all the clubs that your kids are into and plays and money, that becomes so secondary. Parents, I can't say this enough. You should be bringing your, your, <laughs> you should be bringing your kids to church every week. By the way, church isn't my idea. It's not our idea. It's not all the churches got together and said, hey, we should do this thing. No, this is God's thing. Okay, this is God's idea. See it in the New Testament. It's all over. It's, they met together at least once a week. At least once a week. Like, this is the, the least we should be doing is meeting together once a week. And you should be bringing your kids. And parents of teenagers, let me just say this. Your kids should be coming like twice a week. They should be coming on Sunday morning at church, and they should also be coming every Sunday evening for Fuse, okay? We got a service just for them. It's fun. They're synergetic. They, got, they, got, they do a bunch of crazy stuff, 
Right? You should be doing that. And I get sometimes it's a pain because your kids don't want to. And it's like, you got to drag them. You got to do this. You got to do that. But I'm just saying it's worth the investment. It's worth the fight to, to invest in the relationship with God. Why? Because you should be valuing and investing in their relationship and their love for God so much more than investing in their athletic abilities or their teamwork, you know, character, or future scholarships. It shouldn't even compare. But too many families and kids, it's all about experience. We want our kids to experience everything, and kids are so busy. Man, some kids, they don't know how it is to relax because every single day they're going to school, and then after school they got practice, and they got this, and they got that, and then they have that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then on Saturday they got their tournaments all day, and then most Sundays they got tournaments in the morning, they got this. You know, it's just all this stuff. Uh, Parents, I can't, you know, it's, it's hard for me to... I feel like I'm not explaining this good enough, but some of you parents, your, your kids' as coaches know your, your kids better than you do. It's not how God designed family to be. See, parents, you only have a few short years to really teach your kids what God is not suggesting, what God is telling you to teach your kids. Then it's over. They move away. They go to school. They move out. I can't say this enough. Parents, you need to prioritize relationships over experience. So much more important. You need to prioritize your, your, your kids' relationship with God over experiences. You need to prioritize your, your relationship with your kids over experience. But too many times, it's so secondary. Moses, he wraps up. He says, you need to teach them to your kids. Teach this idea to your children. You need to talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up all the time. He says, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. He says, write them in the doorpost, if that's what it takes, or of your house, or on the city gates. Basically what Moses is saying, he's saying, your whole life should reflect your love for God. And he's saying, you need, if you need a constant reminder, like probably every single one of us do, he's like, make that happen. Go to extreme measures. You need to teach your kids about this stuff. You need to talk about this stuff when you're at home. You need to talk about this stuff when you're walking down the road. You need to talk about this when you're going to sleep and when you wake up. And, and shoot, he's like, if this is what it takes, you need to write a reminder on your hand. Or if, it, if you need to go bolder than that, just put, why don't you just plaster it on your forehead if that's what it takes. Basically what Moses is saying is, He's saying you need to do whatever you have to do to remind yourself to love God first and then everything else. And so my question for you this morning, for everybody, is how well do you do that? How well do you love God with everything that you are? Parents, how well do you teach your kids to love God with everything that they are. That's what God's called us to do. That's your most important job as a parent. Not to teach them to be, hey, you need to follow the laws or, you know, you need to get good grades at school. Like, sure, that stuff's important and we should be doing that. But the most important thing is teaching them to love the Lord their God with all of their heart and with all of their soul and with all of their strength. And guess what? That is done through example. Not through advice, not through us lecturing them. It's through example. And your life reflects what's most important to you. Your life reflects what you love.
I was trying to think this week, you know, I'm like, okay, there's so much, I have so many things that I've learned, so many family hacks that I've learned through, especially doing youth ministry and stuff, um, from watching parents, okay, like I was mentioning earlier. And I'm thinking about this week, I'm like, I have all this stuff I want to talk about, I want to talk about discipline, I want to talk about punishment, I want to talk about how to restore relationships and all that type of stuff. But then I'm thinking, you know what, the, the thing that we need the most as parents, we just got to start at the foundation. Like this is not the foundation of just, of just our relationship with our children, it's the foundation of, of family in general. We have to live right. We need to love God with everything that we got. And we need to teach our kids to do the same. Let's pray. God, we um, thank you for giving us these words. God, we, none of us are perfect parents. We all have made mistakes and we all will make more. God, we ask that, um, that you would help us to parent and to raise our kids up the way you've called us to. Help us to treat our family the way, you, the way you've called us to treat our family. God, help us to live more like you. That's what you call us to do. Help us to love you with everything. Our heart, our soul, our strength, everything that we got. Help us to be pouring in to you. And not get distracted by all the busyness that's out there all around us. Always constantly trying to grab our attention. It's the most important job we got as parents for sure. Help us to do that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.